Welcome, podcast listeners, to Roll Radio, where each week we listen in as aspiring adventurers play the world's greatest role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons. Join us as we travel to far-off Faerun, where we discover the Sword Coast in turmoil and in desperate need of heroes. Last time on Roll Radio... The party found themselves welcomed into a spooky house where things got, well, you know, spooky. Elric, who had wandered off on his own, found himself amidst a ghostly dinner party from the past. The dinner party was not fun, and as the apparitions disappeared, one of them told Elric, You should not be here. Leave this place. And then Elric was on fire! You know, I just don't understand why when a spooky ghost tells people to leave, they don't leave. Doesn't anybody learn anything from watching scary movies? I mean, this is ridiculous, you know what I mean, Jerry? Totally, dude. I'd be out of there so fast, man. Well, as the party continued to explore the spooky mansion, they found a strange connection between the apparitions and Albion. An ancient journal was found revealing clues to the dark history of the place. An evil night witch named Gertrude had taken control of the lord of the house. An evil night witch who was from Albion. Eldritch knights wandered off. Jake ideas were made. Birthday inspirations were given. Dummies were investigated. To Jake's disappointment, the next room revealed a library that was burnt to a crisp. But that's not all they found. What appeared to be a fireproof cloak was in fact a hideous cloaker. A cloaker that soon had Cullen's head in its mouth. A battle erupted with swirls of dust and ash sharp, nasty jaws, and a swinging, razor-sharp tail. But our heroes prevailed once again, leaving the hideous beast to rot in the dusty ruins. Will they use reason and decide to leave this place? If rule number one of adventuring is never wander off, how come nobody follows it? Will Esmir work on her jokes? They really aren't that funny. And... How long will it take for Cullen's cloaker hickeys to go away? I mean, is it like other hickeys, like normal hickeys, or cloaker hickeys just last a really long time? I mean, either way, that's embarrassing. But who knows? Let's find out in this episode of Scourge of the Sword Coast! So you guys have been exploring this seemingly abandoned mansion, and you discovered a burnt-out library. Inside, uh, you also discovered a hungry cloaker. You defeated the hideous creature, and now its bloody body lays motionless in the burnt debris. Okay, guys, just keep an eye on it so if it explodes, we need to start running, because everything we kill seems to explode. <laughs> Stressing me out. 
It doesn't. It doesn't look like it's going to explode. I don't. Uh, okay. But Cullen looks like he's going to pass out because <laughs> uh, the cloaker took some serious bites out of him. He needs some healing. Yes, he's lost half his hit points. He looks uh, pretty heavily wounded. Oh, Jake, you don't have a healing spell on you. Yes, I do. I will cast cure wounds at uh, second level. Oh, thank you. Ooh, seventeen. Nice. Those are some good rolls. Ah, thank you, Jake. My pleasure, boy. I'm happy to see that you are rejuvenated, Uzi. But how do we feel about a short rest? Well, first we have to finish checking everything out. Yeah. Okie doke. Esmir wants to investigate the cloaker. Okay. Maybe you can make a belt out of its tail. I could. I could probably. <laughs> it's a fascinating creature, so Esmir wants to, I don't think she's ever seen one of these, so she wants to investigate it just to, you know, kind of gain knowledge from looking at it and touching it. Okay. Roll a nature check. 14. Okay. So you look over this strange creature, and after a moment, uh, you come to the conclusion that this is a creature that thrives in the dark, right? In fact, yeah. in fact, you're pretty certain that this species probably makes its home in the underdark, or perhaps even the shadow fell. Mm-hmm. And uh, you start to wonder what it's doing here so far above ground. Okay. And you also surmise that uh, besides being able to disguise itself as a cloak, uh, this creature probably has other innate magical abilities. Okay. Hmm. And then I'm going to take one of his teeth and I'm going to make Jerry a necklace out of it when we get into town. Okay. I'm going to make him like a total rock and roll wow, necklace. Wow, that'll be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Bro, I'm going to be like, bro, I got you a cloaker tooth. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the discount. That's 20% off now? (laughs) I would also like to investigate the walls in this room to look for any secret uh, openings. Okay, roll a perception check. Perception. Guys, look for secret stuff, okay? Don't forget. Okie doke. 13. And I rolled a 17. Okay. So you two take a look around this burnt-out library... And it's quite a mess, right? Nothing was spared from the fire that ravaged this room, including the half dozen human skeletons under the debris. Ugh. And neither of you, you know, find any secrets or anything of value. Though, Jake, as you look around the room and all the, you know, knowledge that went up in smoke in here. You... Yes, this is quite upsetting to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even, even though you're upset, Uh, At the scene in here, uh, you pick up on some clues and come to the conclusion that these humans who died in here uh, were trapped in here, right? And that their skeletons were moved or arranged uh, under the debris here after they burnt to death. Oh, yeah, that's strange. So, yeah, you're, you're pretty sure that the fire in here was no accident. Interesting. Something foul is afoot. So we have a fire chief and a coroner. As long as nobody stands up and puts on their sunglasses dramatically, we're okay. We've got to figure out some way to get out of this room. Yeah. I want to check out this wall on the other side of the target practice room. Okay. Are you checking out that wall? Hey, 
Hey, uh, Cullen, are you checking out that wall up there? Because that's what I was going to do. Sure thing. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to look real close. Let's see how embarrassed I make myself a 10. Uh, Esmir, I'm going to need your help. Okay, Colin. Oh, oh, hey, okay, I'm going to check this wall too because I think there's something going on here. I'm going to check it too. What am I doing? Investigation? Perception. Perception. Oh, Jesus. Ugh, rough. Is this a wall? Oh, it's your leg. It's your leg. <laughs> Sorry. Elric. <laughs> You're pretty smart. Oh, Elric, get up here, boy. Come on, Elric. Right. You're the one that always finds his secrets. Everyone's right. lined up on the wall. Yeah. Just staring at it. Or just like staring at it and feeling it, smelling it. <laughs> perception. I have a plus two in perception. And here I go. Ten. Oh, Jesus. Ten. Ugh. All right. I'm going to try with my plus seven, okay, and see if I can see. Okay, Jake, concentrate. Going to. I'm dropping some guidance on myself. Okay, just be careful. Don't blink. And then all this so we can look at a wall. Oh yes. Jesus Christ! Another ten. You guys all rolled tens. Okay. All together, that's thirty. There's got to be something. So I'm gonna use my inspiration point. Oh. Okay. I used my last one to escape the cloak. Hey, Jake, can you, like, do something? Like, give me some... Oh, yeah, guidance. Hold on a minute there, Esmir. Let me me touch you. Let me touch you. Ooh. Oh. Just have to, like, spit on my finger. (laughs) (laughs) Let me rub it on your head, you see. Oh, yeah, that's a spot, bro. Hold on. I haven't even done it yet. (laughs) Come on, control click me, man. There. You've been touched by Jake. Okay, here we go, guys. I thought it was Agma who was touching her. Oh, Oh, man. 11. An 11. (laughs) We don't deserve any treasure at this point, guys. We're garbage. (laughs) Stupid wall. Well, I could do with a little bit of rest. That's not a bad idea. Okay, should we take a short rest or no? What are we going to do? You guys want to take a short rest here? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Take out my sharpening stone and I start wetting my blade. Just and I'll roll a hit die while I'm here. I'm gonna roll a hit die as well. I'm only down eight, but I got five hit die to roll, so Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm flush with hit die. Alright. Oh man, a nine. That is a sweet roll. I'm full up now. Me too. Hit point seven. I'm seven down. I might as well roll one. Oh yeah, better. It only makes sense. You'll feel better. <laughs> Trust me. Five. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. Yeah. I'm down two. I'm good. And then what I get, um, I get a spell slot back, don't I? Yes, if you use your arcane recovery. So I can get a level one spell slot back, correct? You can get a level two slot back or two level one or slots. two level ones. I'm going to take my two level ones back. Okay. And do you want to roll any hit die? Uh, did, am I hit? You're down six hit points. Mm. Um, you better do it. We're all doing sure, it. Everybody's sure, sure. doing it. All the kids are doing it. Um, Don't be square. Be healed. There we go. There you go. All right. Sweet. Good roll. Fully healed. Nice. All right. So uh, you guys take an hour break in here. You uh, bandage up your wounds, regain some spell slots, and uh, you know prepare yourselves to uh, continue exploring this strange mansion. But 
it looks like uh, you guys have reached the end of this side of the secret passage. So is the plan to head back and see if uh, AC and Wheezy can uh, get you guys back into the other side? Yes. Yes. Quite right. Let's go. Okay, guys. All right. So you guys make your way back to the secret passage and head in. Oh, yeah. Everybody get in. Watch my foot. (laughs) Esmir's like uncomfortable because... Everybody's ass is right in her face. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry at cod piece level. <laughs> All right, so so you guys pile into this uh, small passage. And so, uh, Esbir, are you going to uh, telepathically signal AC? Yeah. AC, AC buddy, I know you can hear me. Okay, go, go give Wheezy the signal, okay, buddy? Go give Wheezy the signal. So AC takes off, and a moment later, uh, you hear the gears begin to move within the walls. And then uh, the secret door begins to open. And when it opens about six inches, it suddenly stops. Ah, oh, And then, Esmir, uh, in your head, you hear AC, and he says, uh, yeah, uh, Esmir, uh, Wheezy's jumping up and down on the lever, like you said, <laughs> but, uh, it won't go down anymore. It's like it's stuck or something. <laughs> I'm gonna yell, Wheezy! Wheezy, hit the switch, bro! <laughs> this is hilarious. He's just a wee weasel. It's all he can do. <laughs> so, so is any, are any of us skinny enough to get underneath this thing? Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm in front. I'm just going to grab the bottom edge of the door and lift it. You're not going to lift that thing. It's a stone. Well, we'll see. Block. It's not a rising door. It's a sliding door. Right? You know, it slides left to right. But if there's a crack I can get my fingers in. Yeah, you can do it. Do it. You're burly. Do it. <laughs> 18. Nice. 18. Yeah. All right. You uh, grab the door and you start pushing and it's it's hard to move, right? Because you feel a resistance from whatever mechanisms operate this door. But uh, you manage to move the door just enough for everyone to squeeze out. Yay. Okay. Get me out of here. Okay. Everybody. Wheezy. Wheezy, get over here. High fives, everyone. High fives to <laughs> High oh, five. you guys. High fives all around. Best. And then <laughs> I'm going to give Wheezy a little treat from my treat. Hold on. I open my backpack and I say, treaty, Wheezy treaty. <laughs> Wheezy treaty. And it comes to the top. I give Wheezy a treat. So when I stand down here and I look into this room um, south of me, where back at the table where the ghosts were, um, do I see anybody sitting around, or is it still just that blank room with a blank uh, table? You don't see any activity in the dining room, right? It's dark, empty, and quiet. Okay, cool. All right. Okay, can I ask AC to fly in there? You want AC to fly into the dining room? Yeah, and I want him to fly into the dining room and land on the table. Okay. AC, buddy, listen. I know you're always willing to take one for the team, I want you to fly in there, okay? Love you. What the hell is that? That's not what it all sound like. <laughs> That's like a turkey. Uh, Jake, stop doing your turkey impressions, okay? We're, we're busy investigating things here, okay, buddy? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. AC flies into the dining room and lands on the table. 
Uh, it, uh, he nervously looks around as you wait, and uh, nothing happens. All right, enough of this. We've been in this room before. I'm going to go to the far corner right. of this door that I'm nearest. I'm going to try and open it up with the stealth maneuver known as the Esmeralda. Okay. I'm not going in the room yet. I'm waiting right here. So, my little wheeze wheeze right here. Five. Five. The door creaks with a loud groan as dust sprinkles down from above. And you uh, slowly push the door open through old cobwebs and you peek in. And you see that along the southern wall, uh, there's an alcove. And along the other walls, you see uh, cabinets and counters. It looks like you found a small kitchen. Interesting how you're always finding the kitchen. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to step in just enough to look into the alcove. Okay, you step in and you look around and you see some dusty stacks of plates and bowls in the cupboards and some utensils in the drawers and uh, serving platters on the countertops. And then you peer into the alcove and you see a hole in the ceiling. And with your night goggles, uh, you can see it goes up to the second floor where you see a pulley system. Uh, looks like this was once a dumb waiter. So, Esmir, the boys have made their way to the other end of the dining room and are checking out the doors over there. What are you doing? What's this? Uh, I, I walk into the room towards the table. And is this, what's this object right here? That is a chair. Okay. It's a, like a large <laughs> chair at the head of the table. Okay, I want to investigate the chair. Okay, you take a look at this oversized chair, and you can tell that this was meant for, you know, someone of importance, right? Like the head of the family. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you also see that engraved on the chair back is a large, fancy letter M. Hmm. So somebody's got the name M. Mm. Yeah, and you also know from, you know, what Elric told you earlier that this is where the stern ghost who told him to leave was standing, right? Right here at the head of the table. Okay. I feel like I, I just like, why did that happen when he came in here? I'm kind of perplexed by that. Can I touch the chair? Sure. Okay. Hey, the spirits are watching us. That's what's happening. So, Esmir, you, you touch the chair, right? And nothing happens, right? And you don't feel anything either. Okay. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that you're an Albonian. Maybe not. But it's almost as if it wasn't really directed at you, even though it was. Like, he saw you. He looked straight at you. You felt this fire in you. But it was from almost like this memory that was of someone else's memory. Yeah, he looked, he gave me a very knowing look, but the fire I felt, felt like it happened to somebody else. Like it was a memory, someone else's memory that was stuck in my head for a little bit. Gertrude was from Albonian, it was Albonian. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, uh, that might, oh, that that's a good point. That's yeah. A good point. I hadn't thought about that. Well, you know what Esmir thinks about Coinky Dinkies. <laughs> well, it seems like I only triggered it the one time, so I think the best thing we can do is to continue exploring. So yes, let's I check agree. out this door and go through it. Let's go down here. Okay. I'm going to knock the chair over. This stupid place, I hate it. <laughs> I want to listen at these doors in the south end of the room. 
see if I hear anything. Okay. You put your ear up to the door, and the only thing you hear is the muffled sound of thunder. Okay, I want to slowly open the doors. Okay, you push open these large oak doors, and as they creak open, lightning flashes, and uh, it briefly illuminates a large open room. I don't like spooky houses. <laughs> I don't like spooky houses. And again, a flash of lightning lights up the room, and you see that it's coming from large glass patio doors on the eastern wall. On the western wall stands a large ornate stone fireplace. Above you, the room ceiling rises about 20 feet, and in the center hangs a huge fancy glass chandelier. And before you stretches a dust-covered dance floor. You seem to have found the ballroom. Hmm. This is where it's going to get creepy, guys. It always gets creepy in the ballroom. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's like the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for Joe Turkle to show up. And as those <laughs> thoughts cross your mind... Uh-oh. You begin uh, to hear music. Of course, I knew it. And then the room suddenly comes to life with ghostly apparitions. Ethereal couples happily dance while a band plays music near the glass patio doors. Then... Elric, you see, materializing from thin air, that stern-faced man who yelled at you in the dining room. Uh. And you notice that he seems younger now, uh, as if this is perhaps a vision uh, of an earlier time in his life. Okay. Then suddenly, a beautiful woman enters from nothingness. Her eyes are dark and dangerous. She's dressed in a flowing black gown, her shoulders draped with a stole made of black raven feathers. Oh, I bet you that's Gertrude. That's Gertrude! Yeah. The man then embraces her, and they look into each other's eyes, and he dreamily says, We will disappear, just the two of us, my love. And she replies, Oh, General Mantharthas, but what of your wife? And besides, we have work to do. And the general says back to her, never mind her, she will cope. And your army of undead, let us not talk of this tonight. And then they fade away along with all the other guests and the ballroom is once again empty and quiet. Interesting. Interesting. It's like someone's diary has come to life. Yeah, exactly. This is cool. Well, Erlok is starting to get really interested in this because A, it feels like someone fooled him before with an illusion. B, it sounds like this Gertrude was from Albion and was not a nice person. So is, this is starting to concern me personally. Yeah. Well, I wish to walk into the room. Okay. To there. And you suddenly I'm catch on wait fire. And see what ah. happens. I know. <laughs> I was gonna wait just to see what happens. The chandelier crashes down <laughs> on your head. So you make your way uh, into the ballroom, and again, lightning flashes lighting up the room. And you see in that brief flash that outside, beyond the glass doors, uh, there looks to be like a patio or terrace. Okay, let's check out the fireplace. Okay, roll a perception check. Uh, eight. I'm going to roll perception. Anything unique about this fireplace? 17. 
Okay, so you two are checking out the fireplace, and uh, neither of you find anything interesting or special about it. Uh, but Cullen, with your role, you can tell uh, that this fireplace hasn't been lit in ages. Well, everybody, those weren't entirely pathetic roles. There's nothing interesting to see over here. Right, so that's why I'm over here and looking at this far wall, just to see if... Um... Okay, so on the map, it looks like just a wall. Uh, but you're actually standing in front of large glass double doors. Gotcha. So these okay. And these doors uh, lead outside, right? And you see that the storm is still raging out there as rain violently spatters against the glass. And as lightning flashes, you see that beyond these doors, there is a terrace with a swimming pool. Oh. And the pool is, you know, overflowing with rainwater. And you see at the southern end of the pool sit three ruined deck chairs. And you also notice around the pool uh, several skeletal remains. Hmm. Roll me a perception check. Okay. Oh, no. Club dead. <laughs> I smell the return of Skelly 1 through 10. 15. I whispered to you what you perceive, so check the chat window. Ah. Interesting. There's something shiny under those deck chairs. Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you, Jake. Elric goes for a dip. He's like, I want the hot tub. <laughs> All right, so you uh, open the patio doors and you let in the storm, right? Rain and wind start blowing into the ballroom as the sound of thunder uh, booms above you. Esmir, what are you doing as the boys begin to make their way outside? Can I look up at the ceiling of the ballroom just real quick? Like up at the chandelier? Yeah, as I'm walking through, I'm looking up at the ceiling at the chandelier and I want to kind of use my perception. Okay, roll a perception check. 13. Okay, it's a very, you know, ornate and fancy looking chandelier. It's quite big actually with you know, hundreds of pieces of glass hanging from it, and uh, it holds dozens of uh, half-melted candles. Right? It would be quite beautiful lit up, but now it's just covered in dust and cobwebs. Okay. I was going to shoot my firebolt at it because I'm pissed off, but that's okay. I won't. Why are you pissed off? I don't like spooky houses. Oh, <laughs> Well, I'm sorry if we're leaving, if we're like, you know, all excited. I love spooky houses. I don't you know, like spooky houses. They're always so much fun. It's like a fun they're house. They're not fun. No. And there's something shiny under, underneath this deck chair. Go see what it is, Jake. Just go see. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as Esbeer's checking out the chandelier, uh, the three of you guys walk out into the rain and onto the terrace. And as you near the pool, Oh boy. Uh -oh. The water in it begins to bubble. Oh no! It's a lurker in the deep! You know, pools are a lot like wells, but I didn't done. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. They're nothing like wells except for they have water. Well, they're wells without the shaft. <laughs> Suddenly, something large erupts from the pool. You see that it's a large spheroid creature. Oh no. In the center of it is an enormous bulging eye that sits over a wide, 
toothy maw. And around this spheroid body slither fleshy stalks that wiggle like worms. And at the end of each of these stalks is another eye. It's a beholder. No. And as that thought enters your mind, Elric, lightning flashes. And you all immediately notice that this creature's uh, flesh and skin is rotting and peeling off of its body. This is not an ordinary beholder. It's a zombie beholder. Oh, no. oh man. Aha! Come and get it, you bastard. <laughs> and Cullen, you're right at the edge of the pool there. Of course. And as this thing uh, bursts from the depths of the pool, its toothy jaws try to chomp down on you. Werewolves and zombies. Everything wants to bite me. <laughs> well, you're the one who put your pog right next to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> and it misses with an 11. Oh, Good. thank God. All right, everyone, roll initiative. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is not good. <laughs> I rolled a five. I rolled a five. I got a rock. <laughs> uh, I got a nine. I got an eight. We're all rolling under 10 today, it seems. And then AC... I know, it's really weird. AC's roll. Oh, Ace rolled twice. AC got a 17 oh, and an 18. Great. He's a badass. All right, so you all see this large, grotesque zombie beholder burst out of the pool and try to get a taste of Cullen. And it hovers over the pool in this pouring rain as lightning flashes above it. And if you'd like... Uh, you could go ahead and roll me a nature check to see if you know anything or can recall anything about the infamous beholders. Oh, let me do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that, too, because I know it's a beholder, but I don't know, I don't remember anything about it. Eric that. Carson knows it's a beholder. Yeah. But apparently, Cullen McGregor doesn't have any idea what the hell it is. I rolled a 17 on my nature. I rolled a 23. Oh, man, everybody's rolling great all of a sudden. Except me. So, Esmir, I whispered to you uh, what jumps to mind as you see this otherworldly creature emerge from the pool. Okay. And Cullen, you just dodged his frightening jaws, and you both tied for initiative. So, uh, you can go first. What are you going to do? Oh, right on. Okay, well, this thing can disintegrate you with its eyes. So, <laughs> that's not good. You know, just FYI. Well, <laughs> I got two choices disengage or attack. Is there something about disintegrate that you didn't understand? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will heed your advice and disengage. Okay. All right, Esmeralda. Here I come. Okay. I run 30 feet back into the ballroom. All right. Cullen runs back inside, and as he does, the beholder tracks him with one of its eye stalks. Oh, no. And you all watch as a beam of purple and black energy shoots out of the eye stalk and nail Cullen right in the back as he runs into the ballroom. Cullen, roll a wisdom saving throw. Oh, that sucks balls. (laughs) (laughs) Four. Cullen, you're running back inside, heeding Esmir's advice, when suddenly you feel this beam of energy hits you in the back, Mm. and you take 8d8 necrotic damage. Ah. 
Eight D eights. Oh my God, that just killed me. Oh my God, wow. it killed you. Oh my God. One hit wonder, man. Bastard. Holy crap. Esmir, you just watched Cullen run back into the ballroom and then get hit. His body flies forward, hits the ground, slides across the uh, dance floor, necrotic energy wisping off his motionless body like smoke. He's not moving. What are you going to do? Okay, so Esmir is going to run over to Cullen. As she's running, she's going to grab the potion of greater healing out of her pocket that she's got stashed in. She's going to slide over to the on to the floor next to him, pour the potion of healing down his throat, toss the vial to the side, and run back into the dining room and hide behind this wall. Nice. Okay, go ahead and drop the greater healing potion onto Cullen. Okay. And then, there you go, Cullen. 10 points, 10 points of healing. Oh man, I'm still down 34, so that's 10 points. I got 10 points left. Elric, you just watched one of these eye stalks take out Cullen, and uh, you turn back towards the zombie beholder, and you see several of those disgusting eye stalks turn and look right at you. Okay. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. For now, I'm going to run up to my full movement. So that's <laughs> five, sprint. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. So that means he's 35 feet away from me, and I'm going to shoot a firebolt at him. Okay. Fireboltius. Oh, oh, God, no. Natural one. No. Why are you freaking kidding me? Oh, my God. Me? Well, I do have an inspiration yeah. point. Oh, thank God. So here we go. Twelve. I missed it. Six. Damn. All right, Jake, uh, you headed out here to check out a shiny object uh, under the deck chairs there when suddenly all hell broke loose. <laughs> the boys have uh, run back inside, and you are now alone out here with this zombie beholder whose multiple <laughs> eyes are now focused on you. What are you going to do? Okay, so would I be able to grab it and run in the same... Oh, no, that's an action. What well, I'll, can do I'll that. come back later. You can do I'll that. I'll come back later. You can so do I'm that. I'm going to move. He just said, said you, you could do, do that. that like three times. He said you can you interact with one object for free. One object. So I can pick up the shiny object, move, mm -hmm. and perform my action, correct? Correct. Okay, cool. So you run over, reach under the deck chair, and pull out a glaive. Oh. oh, wow. I'm grabbing the glaive. I'm running into this room. Five, ten, fifteen. Not running, but I'm going to come right to here-ish. And I can see him plain as day, right? Well, not plain as day, uh, <laughs> but you could make out its uh, form, right, levitating above the pool. And when lightning flashes, you see all its eyes looking right at you. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice scene. Let's get this out onto a tray. Sa <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm going to shoot him with uh, Sacred Flame. Okay. He's probably pretty dexter dexterous, but we'll see. Well, it is a zombie. Uh, Sacred Flame, you. Oh, oh he fails. fails. Two is definitely a fail. Big time. So he takes, oh, not bad, 13. All right. Your Sacred Flame singes the zombie beholder. It's... Uh, eye stalks flail about for a brief moment, but then it quickly recovers 
and turns them all back towards you guys. And now it's Acey's turn. Uh, yeah, I don't think Acey's going in there. It's not safe. He's going to stay by me. Okay. Then, suddenly, out of the darkness comes another beam of energy. This time, it's green in hue, and it streaks into the ballroom and slams right into Elric's chest. Huh. <laughs> Elric, make a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving throw. Uh, here we go. Minus one. Ah, uh, four. Oh. What the Oh, Jesus Christ. This is not good. Suddenly, rising up from deep within your subconscious comes your greatest fear. Oh, no. Ah. Clementine! (laughs) (laughs) You are now uh, stricken with fear for one minute. Oh, God. Okay, how many turns is that? How many melee rounds? Ten rounds. Ah. Oh, jeez. So what is the effect of fright? On your turn, you have to run away from the beholder. And then at the end of your turn, you can make another wisdom saving throw. Okay, this isn't cool. Cullen, you just saw Elric get hit by another magical beam from the beholder. And uh, it doesn't look like he took any damage, but it looks like he's starting to panic. Oh no. And you are badly wounded. What are you gonna do? So I have a lot of decisions to make because or well, should I stay or should I go? Because um, I don't have enough hit points. I fight at close range. This is a bad spot for me to be in. So I'm going to just run out of the room. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Stop next to Esmeralda. (laughs) Oh, you're there. You're welcome. (laughs) Saved your life. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so Esmir, uh, Cullen's gotten back up thanks to your healing potion and joined you here in the dining room. Uh, he still looks in pretty bad shape, though. And as you look back out into the ballroom, uh, you see something's up with Elric. He's as pale as a ghost. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, guys, I got a bad feeling about this. <coughs> I think we're going to die here or we need to get the hell out of Dodge, but... In the meantime, I'm gonna try and hit this guy with something. Tell our story, walk it. <laughs> I'm going to cast my mouth's minute meteors. Huh? Shazam! Wow, 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 wow. I'm actually making that sound, but they're not doing that. <laughs> you guys like these? I thought they went skadoosh. That's, That's when, when they, they hit. hit. They oh, okay. <laughs> but when they float around, they go wow, wow, wow. That's right. You're, you're preparing them. They orbit her like a small. So if I take one system. step into this room, can I get a beat line on him to shoot my meteors at him? Uh, sure. So I'm going to control click the son of a biscuit, and then I get two shots. Yep, so your first meteor flies out onto the terrace and lands uh, at the edge of the pool and explodes. And it rolls a dexterity saving throw and rolls a two. It doesn't even try to move out of the way. (laughs) Go ahead and roll the damage. Okay, skadoosh. Six Six points, ha ha! He's almost (laughs) dead, right? (laughs) (laughs) So your second meteor flies out and uh, explodes in the same spot and it rolls a 10. 
and fails again. Fails again. All right. Sweet. Skadoosh. Nice. All right, All eight right. points of damage. And he's in critical. Mm, no, no, <laughs> no. He is. I, no, no he's not. Okay. <laughs> it says here light. Yeah, we barely scratch this guy. And that's all I can do on this turn. Don't forget to hide, Esmeralda. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go back out of the room. And I'm going to go into the pantry. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I'll be in the pantry if you guys need me. <laughs> it's like picking up wooden spoons. I just got to do a little inventory. <laughs> all right, Elric, you are suddenly stricken with fear, and your only thought is to run. So... Can I make a saving throw after I run or before I run? Or At the run? end of your turn. At the end. Okay, so I have to move 30 feet, correct? You have to dash. I have to dash. Wow. Okay, well, You're here we scared. go. You're scared. You want to get out of there. <laughs> get the fuck out of Dodge. It's my greatest fear, and I've just discovered my greatest fear is a zombie beholder. So, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40... 45, 50, 55, 60 will put me out by the tea room. Go have some tea. 55 feet away from him. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, as Beard Cullen, you guys see Elric run into the dining room and just keep running all the way to the tea room. It's a blur as he passes me. <laughs> and I'm Whoa. left all alone Elric. in the ballroom. There's an Elric-sized hole in that wall. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd like to make my saving throw now? Yes, a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Save wisdom, which is always going to be fun. Here we go. Here we go. 18. Nice. Nice. All right. You run full speed into the tea room, and as you catch your breath, you're like, uh, wait a minute. That's not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in the same spot again when I ran out when I thought it was on fire. So now that orc is like, he's super pissed now. He's like, ah! He's turning around. He's got blood in his eye. <laughs> All right, and Jake, uh, you just watched two of Esmir's meteors uh, explode next to this beholder, and it didn't even flinch. And you are suddenly uh, standing all alone and in the dark because Elric uh, just dashed out of the ballroom, uh, taking his drift globe with him. That's true. <laughs> My drift globe is with me. Jake's like, go. Bobbing light. <laughs> and you look back outside, uh, and lightning flashes, and you see the zombie beholder floating above the pool, right? And all its eyes are focused on you. What are you going to do? I'm also going to go over here to the dining room, uh, where everybody else is standing, and I am going to channel the divine powers of Agma, you see, and I'm going to turn the undead. He fails. Eleven fails. Thank Agama. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here in the doorway and keep my eyeball on him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You uh, watch as the silhouette of this zombie beholder suddenly becomes uh, engulfed in Agma's radiance. And it recoils right from the divinity. And then it splashes back down into the pool. You! After him! <laughs> I'm not one to give up, but uh, I don't see a way forward here. Yeah. Well, he's turned for one minute, so we've okay, got basically so ten rounds before, or or until he takes damage. But if he takes damage, he's not turned. 
Right. If he takes damage, he could come back. The yeah, spell is broken. Um, but we can get ourselves to be ready in the main room here for when the spell wears off and he comes at us again. We can have right. some pre- prepared actions. Yeah. Yeah, we could take nine moves of rolling um, things like uh, healing and stuff. There's not a lot I can do. I could. I guess I could huck holy potion, holy water at him. You do that. What well, about your swords? Well, he'd have to go right face to face with him. Yeah. Mano e meatwad. <laughs> I I don't think we're going to beat this guy with wisdom saving throws because, I mean, I'm not, not to insult anybody or anything, but I don't <laughs> think we got enough wisdom to beat this guy. Mm. All right. So as you guys are trying to figure out what to do next, uh, you're all here, you know, peering out of the doorway, looking out onto the terrace, and a minute goes by and Jake's channel divinity wears off, right? But the beholder doesn't reemerge from the pool. Hmm. All right, are we gonna fight this thing or are we gonna go? Go ahead. I vote we leave him behind. There's nothing I can do. Okay. And hey, look, you got the glaive, which was really the treasure in that place. Mm-hmm. So I say we forge ahead. Okay. In the opposite direction of that thing. <laughs> Not a bad idea, all things considered. What, what direction should we forge in? Upstairs? There was like a Aye, the stairs. Yeah. Think up and or down. Our only choice. Run away! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, you guys decide to leave the beholder and make your way back to the stairs. Okay, and- wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. Don't you think we should maybe take a short rest here? Because I don't think Colin's doing so good, right? I'm all for a short rest. Okay, sure. Perhaps we should adjourn to the tea room. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you want to go to the tea room and take a short rest? Yes. Is that your suggestion? Yes. That way we can keep an eye on all the doors. Okay. All right, so you guys um, head into the tea room and pull up a dusty chair and take a short rest. So, Cullen, go ahead and roll a hit tie if you'd like. I would definitely like to do that. Mm, not bad. Ten points back, but you're still in heavy. I'm gonna do another one. Another seven points. Um, here. I could do a potion. I have a potion of greater healing. Twelve. Sweet. I'm almost up to normal. Cool. All right. Nice. So as Cullen bandages up his wounds. Uh, Jake, you gonna let Elric check out that uh, glaive you snatched? Absolutely. I wanted to hand this to Elric. I wanted to take a look at it myself. Say, boy! <laughs> yeah, come over here and take a look at this. Yeah. Now be careful. Things like this tend to be cursed. <laughs> so Elric, you uh, check out this glaive, and it's you know it's quite dirty and a little rusty. Uh, who knows how long it's been out there, uh, you know, exposed to the elements, mm-hmm. but you see that it's still perfectly straight and the blade is still very sharp, which immediately tells you uh, that this is no ordinary weapon. And by the style and design of it, uh, you can tell that this glaive was made by elves. Wow, oh cool. Nice. So some some elf teenagers came here for spring break and they just, <laughs> the guy left his glaive under the lawn, the, the pool chair. Yeah, left underneath the deck chair. <laughs> Alron, where did you leave your glaive? <laughs> oh, shoot, Dad. 
And so you uh, spend your short rest cleaning it up a bit and playing around with it. And you discover that this is a glaive of sharpness. Ooh. Okay. So its properties are this. If you attack an object with this glaive, you always do maximum damage to the object. Oh, oh so you can like bust the door open? Right. Right, exactly. And uh, when you attack a creature with this glaive and roll a natural 20, it will do an extra 14 points of slashing damage. Oh, oh. man. And if that happens, you roll another d20. And if you roll another natural 20, you lop off one of the creature's limbs. Oh, cool. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, great. That's just what Alric needs is a limb cutter offer enhancer. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there's also one more thing uh, that you discover uh, as you're playing around with it. Jeez. Uh, you discover that if you say a command word, the blade sheds a bright light for 10 feet and another uh, and dim light for another 10 feet. Oh, cool. Oh, oh my goodness. Can you, can, you, can you do it by just clapping twice? <laughs> Glaive on. Glaive on. Glaive on. <laughs> well, that's cool. Awesome. Nice. Would I still have the 10 minute time to switch the ruby over though? Uh, how, how does that work again? What does it say in the description? Uh, checking on it right now. Ruby of the War Mage. Da, 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 dragon Head. Etched with eldritch runes, this one inch diameter ruby allows you to use a simple martial weapon as a spell casting focus for your spells. For this property to work, you must attach the ruby to the weapon by pressing the ruby against it for at least 10 minutes. Thereafter, the ruby can't be removed unless you detach it as an action or the weapon is destroyed. Okay, so yeah, you can do that during the short rest. I want to do that because that means I don't have to pull out a whole bunch of stuff when I cast my spells. It's just more efficient. Right. I just yeah. speak He likes command to keep word. track of his stuff. Hey, <laughs> that looks like a, it's going to be your new favorite toy. I, the glaive of sharpness. Ah. All right, so let's go upstairs. Quit messing around down here. Wait for us, Jake. All right, so you guys finish up your short rest and make your way back to the spiral staircase. And uh, when you get there, you all immediately see that the way upstairs is still blocked by the iron bars. Hmm. And you look down the spiral staircase and you see that it is uh, crisscrossed with layers of ancient cobwebs. And at the bottom, you see a door that is ever so slightly open. Hmm. Okay. Who's first? Well, I'm, I'm not going first. I'm not going first. A, it looks a lot like a well. B, <laughs> it's covered with webs, which usually means there's a spider. And I'm not in the mood right now. I'll go first. I have no problem going down. So we're going down. I it's shall. It's like a toilet getting flushed. I shall grasp <laughs> my new glaive and slowly descend the spiral staircase. I'll follow you. You might want to look for traps. All right. So Elric, you start to make your way down, mm -hmm. and you use your glaive, you know, to push aside the old cobwebs. And you soon reach the bottom of the stairs and you come up to the ajar door. And you see uh, that it's a thick iron door. And as you approach, uh, you begin to hear a strange hum coming from inside the room. So you peek in 
and you see a room that can be best described as Frankenstein's laboratory. Interesting. You see strange mechanisms with cranks and coils and tubes and copper wires, all of it covered in dust and cobwebs. And in the center of the room is a naked humanoid lying on an operating table. Oh no. <laughs> Looks like someone's making a golem. Or they've already made a golem. It could be, could be. I'm going to carefully walk in about uh, five feet, maybe. Okay, so you make your way inside, and you can now clearly see this body lying on the table. And uh, the first thing that catches your eye is the copper wires that are uh, connected to this body's head that uh, coil up to a humming machine fitted with a large metal crank. And as you get closer, uh, you can see that it's a human man, or what used to be a human man, right? Because now uh, it's an assortment of human body parts that have been stitched and bolted together uh, to make a flesh golem. Uh, but you immediately realize that this golem wasn't finished because you can see that it's missing its hands, it's missing its feet, and it's missing its brain. Interesting. I describe this to whoever is right behind me, if you can't already see it. That'd be me. <laughs> Can you believe this? Someone's making golems. The abhorrent obscenity of nature itself. Aye, golem. but can we even be sure we know what we're looking at? Did you not see ghosts earlier today? <laughs> Maybe this is some phantasm. I wouldn't touch anything. Poke it. Poke it, no. <laughs> poke it with your new glaive. I'm not going to poke it. <laughs> I, Jake, you could go poke it. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> I will go into this room. There's knowledge, you see. <laughs> I'm going to enter this room where all of this knowledge is, and I'm going to go check it all out. Okay. I'm going to follow Jake in. Okay. So Esmir walks in the room. She's going to follow Jake in, and then she's like, Oh my God, what the hell is this place? How about you, Colin? You going in? I'm at the door. Like in the doorway? Ah, uh, yes, I'm in the doorway. Like, so, you know, right in the middle of the doorway. So I could see, but at the same time, I'm not right in the room. Okay. All right, so uh, Jake and Esmir, you guys walk into the room and you're suddenly surrounded by strange mechanisms covered in dials and knobs and interconnected with wires and tubes. It's its like nothing you've ever seen before. Look at this. It's amazing in here. <laughs> There's knowledge everywhere. This room is like I'm salivating. <laughs> yes, this room is filled with strange unknown things. And so you immediately look around for, uh, you know, books or papers where this knowledge may be written down. So your eyes are drawn to a desk. And on this desk sits a leather uh, shoulder bag, a tray with surgical tools, needles and thread, and an assortment of papers, all of it covered in a thick layer of dust. I, I wanna grab the bag from the table and I wanna flip through those papers and see what, what is there anything written on those papers? Okay, you grab the bag and 
shake off the dust and then open, you know, you flip open the top to uh, look inside and you see an empty black void. Nice. It's like a oh, bag, it's a of, bag holding. of holding. I want it. I strap it over my shoulders. Unless it's I cursed. Look, look through the papers. What is on these papers? Is it knowledge? Okay, so you start looking at the papers. And Esmir, what are you doing? I stop at the body, and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this, guys? This is creepy. Can I examine the body? Sure. So you uh, make your way to the body on the table, and as you approach, you notice three buckets on the ground right next to the operating table. And you peer in and see that they are filled with body parts. Ew. One is filled with pairs of hands, another is filled with pairs of feet, and the third one is filled with brains. And Look at brains. all the spare uh, body parts are tagged with a number. Hmm. That's very interesting, you see. Are, are the brains labeled? Did any of them say Abby someone? <laughs> are they green and gray and just hairy and gross? Or are they new? Are they fresh? <laughs> they smell like fresh baked biscuits. Like I mean, kit. are they fr fresh feet? <laughs> no, it's like a kit. Fresh the parts. feet for sale. It's like a Mr. Potato Head. You got the feet, and you got the mustache, you got the googly eyes and all that. It's like someone's making a Mr. Potato Head, but out of skin. Out of skin and, and not thumb. And as you guys are uh, investigating the room and this flesh golem, you all suddenly hear gears begin turning within the walls. And then the iron door begins to close. Oh, no. And Cullen, it begins to push you right into the room. Oh, can I try and use my strength to push it back? Sure. Roll an athletics check. Can I also call out at the same time, It's a trap! <laughs> Great. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fifteen. The heavy iron door just pushes you into the room. Oh, no. And then you hear it lock like the doors of a vault. Oh, oh no. And then uh -oh. you all start to hear... Oh no! Uh, no way. Is it gas or is it a snake? And then you smell it. A noxious gas is entering the room. And you are now locked in this lab with no other way out. What? Oh boy. Shitty hell. Here we go again. Stuck in another death trap. Uh, would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in and you won't be angry i will not be angry abby someone abby someone abby who abby normal and so we leave our heroes stuck in a frankensteinish lab surrounded by buckets full of body parts and poison gas filling the air. Will they be able to escape this dreaded mansion? Where is the Overlook Hotel? And who the heck is Joe Turkle? Who is Abby Normal? And why is she so popular? And will Jake work on his owl impression? I mean, he really should. Cause that ain't sound like no owl. But who knows? Tune in next time to find out. I'm wrong.
Radio. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Roll Radio. Hope you enjoyed the third session of The Haunt by Phil Beckwith of PB Publishing. At, at least I hope you're enjoying it more than Esmir is. Uh, I love how the group is role-playing this haunted encounter. And man, it's just going to get even crazier as they move forward through this mansion. Now, this encounter with the zombie beholder was interesting to me because um, it showcases something that DMs have to think about when they're preparing encounters for their players. What's the right challenge for your players? Is it too easy? Is it just right? Or is it way too tough for them? Now, on paper, the zombie beholder has a challenge rating of 5, whereas the cloaker uh, had a challenge rating of 8. So technically, they could have taken on the zombie beholder no problem, probably. But its disintegration ray kind of worried me. Right? The cloaker basically had its, you know, its bite and its tail, whereas um, the zombie beholder's attacks could eliminate a character with one failed save, as we saw happen with both Cullen and Elric. Right? So, you know, so I was kind of worried about a total party kill, you know, halfway through the module. So I decided that I want I would help them understand the danger of taking on this monster. Now, a beholder is one of D&D's most feared creatures, right? Right up there with, you know, dragons. And some of the players, uh, you know, knew this. But I wanted to make sure they all did by asking for a nature check to see if, uh, you know, what their characters knew. And in my whispered response, I made sure to highlight the disintegration ray. And if they still wanted to fight it and die, well, at least I warned them. <laughs> at least that's what my, that was my thinking. And then when Cullen and Alric were both quickly taken out of the fight, uh, they got the message loud and clear. And to me, that's okay. I think it's, uh, you know, in a horror-themed encounter, you know, or any encounter, really, it's good to have something to run from once in a while, right? Every encounter doesn't have to be at their level or quote-unquote fair. Some can be easy for your players, you know, so they can feel like badasses, while some should be above them and humble them once in a while, right? And show them that they're not at the top of the food chain, at least not yet. And if you'd like to help Roll Radio get to the top of the food chain of, of D&D podcasts, wow, nice segue, Mark, uh, please spread the word and leave us some reviews on your uh, podcasting platform. Just that little bit will help encourage new listeners to give us a try, right? To give us a listen. And if you'd like to support the show and gain access to bonus content and outtakes, check out our Patreon page. And if you're not, you know, ready for a commitment, but want to throw us a little support, consider a one-time donation. If you uh, click the See More on each uh, episode description, you'll see a link at the bottom to redcircle.com where you can make a one-time donation. Any support is greatly appreciated and will help us keep playing. And we're playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition by Wizards of the Coast. Check them out at dnd.wizards.com. The module we're playing is The Haunt by PB Publishing. Check out their work at dmsguild.com and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at PB Publishing One. 
And The Haunt, the game that we're playing, is going to be coming out on hardcover with tons of extras. And it's going to be releasing at the end of September. And I will post on Facebook and Twitter how you can uh, check that stuff out and get on a mailing list and get a sweet discount. And of course, all the scary music and sound effects are from Sirenscape.com. Check them out to add some spookiness to your next tabletop adventure. All right. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We're going to take an extra week um, off before the next episode, uh, you know, end of the summer, get the kids back to school. So we will be back with the next episode on September 12th. So make sure you tune in and we'll see you next time when our heroes play around uh, with a bucket of brains.